You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Acknowledged and treaties made. Tune into Fire First every Wednesday from 11am till 12 midday on 3CR with Robbie Thorpe. 3CR acknowledges that we broadcast from the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri and Boonarong peoples of the Kulin Nation. We pay respect to their elders past and present and acknowledge the continued resilience of First Nation people in the ongoing colonisation and settlement. We recognise sovereignty was never ceded and a treaty never signed. This is 3CR Breakfast. Alternative news, analysis and current affairs. Monday to Friday, 7am to 8.30am. Good morning. Good morning. 2nd of February. Lovely to be here in the studio with you, Ella, again. Yes, very nice to have you back. Our first Claudia live in the studio experience in a while. It has been a while, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Go the uh, remote studio, but uh, lovely to be back in the saddle and um, really looking forward to the show this morning. Yeah. Yeah. And catching up with you, Ella, and uh, our listeners out there. Absolutely, yeah, and of course you have been busy the last year, but yeah, just working remotely from home. Yeah, completely different experience, um, but yeah, still feeling part of the team and always great to bring the stories to our listeners, whichever way we can get them to them. Yes, whether it's in your pyjamas at home or here in the studio. (laughs) Yeah, and during these times um, we've all had to be adaptable, so yeah, who, who would have thought you could do radio from home but there you go the <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's been a learning experience for us all I think <laughs> yeah and how's your um holidays been I believe you've had a break in Tasmania yeah very nice I've had an extra little break in the end of January there I got down to Tasmania they had some very cheap flights so I thought why not um and yeah I went down with a friend we went up the east coast went to a few wineries um saw Wineglass Bay beautiful um, and, yeah, then went out with another friend who lives down there and we did a big three-day walk, which was very nice. Um, a bit of a shock to my system after a couple of years in lockdown. My fitness isn't what it was, but I enjoyed mm. it. <laughs> Must have been nice, though, to get out into that fresh terrain and definitely yeah. change of scenery. Yeah, um, and All the fresh mountain air, I was feeling good for it. <laughs> yeah, well, I only got as far as uh, Port Ferry. <laughs> But I had a lovely week down there uh, earlier in January and, um, yeah, I actually hadn't been there before. I think we'd driven through but not stayed there and it was, yeah, really lovely. I love the combination of the the beach, the, the you know, the historic side of it and the, the wharf with all the boats and, yeah, we had a lovely relaxing time. Oh, nice. And where is Port Ferry? So I'm a bit uh, Oh, that's right. You're a Victorian geography. (laughs) I'm a West Australian, so that's probably why I never got there on school camp or anything. (laughs) Um, It is just a few kilometres west of Warrnambool. So it's sort of along the um, Great Ocean Road and a bit bit further. And, uh, yeah, about 15 minutes from Warrnambool. But it's a very historic town. It's got the 
the oldest um, inn in Victoria there, the mm-hmm. Mary Jane Inn, which was um, very cosy but booked out, so he couldn't actually have a meal there. But, um, yeah, and it's got the first courthouse from Victoria, so a lot of history. And, of course, the Gunditjmara people are from that area. Um, so I caught up with... Um, Ashley Cousins, who's the CEO of the Gunditjmara Aboriginal Corporation down there, and had a really nice chat with him about how everything was going and how his community was keeping safe during COVID and coping with um, yeah all the uncertainty and accessing vaccinations and so forth. They, they seem to be um, doing pretty well, and he said uh, that the community is a very close community and that it really helped in terms of them, you know, sticking together and getting sort of vaccinated and, yeah, respecting protocols and also, um, yeah, just talking to each other and passing on information and so forth. So, yeah, very cohesive. So he was reasonably happy with how things were progressing and, um, yeah, had his fingers crossed, obviously, for the the next round with the yeah. Omicron had sort of just gone viral I guess we can literally say then yes <laughs> <laughs> oh well it's nice to hear it was yeah going well for them yeah and um yeah so now back in back in Melbourne mm. back to it yeah <laughs> so what have we got on for the show today Ella yeah so later on in the show we're going to finish up with a segment from Alice um, so she spoke with Sherry Smith, a Roma woman and fierce activist in the UK for the Roma Gypsy and Traveller community. Um, so Alice spoke to Sherry about the recent legislation within the UK that criminalises their culture and further oppresses no- nomadic, nomadic folk in Britain. So mm. excuse me there, early in the morning. That would be a really interesting one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I haven't heard much about this for a while, but um, yeah, it's a really interesting topic. And we've also got a couple of segments uh, relating to the St Kilda Festival, which is coming up soon. It's normally a one-day event, but uh, in order to make it COVID safe, they've actually decided to spread it out over nine days this year. So it starts on Saturday the 5th, which is this Saturday, and runs for nine days, finishing the following Sunday. And they've also incorporated the local uh, Yellowcoat Willem Naji Festival, which is a First Nations arts festival that happens every year and it normally precedes the St Kilda Festival um, a week before, but they've incorporated that within the festival, which means there's going to be a whole lot of uh, First Nations artists. So um, our first segment's going to be uh, Joe from Music Matters caught up with the organiser, Fred Gesher, just to hear what's on the uh, agenda. And he also... Um, had a conversation with Archie Roach, who's headlining the music lineup on the 12th of February. So I thought that was pretty special. So we, we thought we'd uh, play that for our listeners. And then later on in the show, at about 10 to 8, I'll be speaking with Kian, who uh, is one of our favourites on uh, 3CR Wednesday yeah, breakfast. Definitely got so, a lot of airplay on our show. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, we'll be having a chat with her and hearing about what she's been doing and um, whether, you know, she's enjoying getting back into gigs. I'm sure she is. Yeah, so that'll be great. Ah, excellent. Yeah, looking forward to it. That's a nice way to um, minimise the risk spreading out the festival over more days. Yeah, and it actually means, um, yeah, that I guess there's so many more opportunities to get to different things 
and there's a, a whole series of different uh, stages that are going to be set up on the St Kilda foreshore and O'Donnell Gardens, which is, um, yeah, one of the other places that they perform at. So, yeah, should be uh, great. Excellent. All right, well, before we get into it, I might pop on some music for us. Uh, this is the Chaplin Band with Il Valero.
And we're back on air with Wednesday Breakfast. I'm Claudia and uh, we're now going to hear a segment from 3CR's Music Matters program and Joe Maglanagi there spoke with Fred Gesher, the organiser of the St Kilda Festival last Friday and he also had a very special guest online and um, I'll let Joe introduce him to you in a moment. So uh, just for listeners that might not have tuned into Music Matters before, they air on Friday afternoons between 12 and 2 p.m. And, uh, yeah, Joe was chatting to uh, to find out about the St Kilda Festival, which if you um, tuned in at the beginning of the show, I explained that that's kicking off this Saturday in St Kilda and will be running for nine days. But we'll let Joe and uh, Fred explain more. And I'm very privileged, honoured, whatever else superlatives you can get um, to mention, to have on the line. Well, a couple of people. Specifically, uh, I have Fred Gesher from uh, Portfield Council, who's organising a lot of the First Nations uh, activities uh, at the St Kilda Festival. But also, I have a fellow called Archie Roach. No, no introduction, almost. Uh, part of the 3CR story. Archie Roach, but both Archie and Fred, uh, welcome to this edition of Music Matters. Thank you very much here at 3CR. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Thanks for having us. <laughs> Excellent. And so just to let the listener know, they're both on, on different telephones, and so we'll try and uh, get it as cohesive as possible. But look, it's, very, uh, well, it's a very difficult time, obviously. Many stories and conversations have been had with the live music uh, industry here in this uh, town, Melbourne. But there are a few festivals and a few councils doing as much as possible to keep it live. And St Kilda Festival, being an outdoor event, falls into that category. And uh, hopefully it's all going to be all possible. But um, Fred's been involved uh, with uh, the talent down uh, for this festival for quite a few years. And uh, a big part of St Kilda Festival is, is the Ellicott Willanagi, which this year happens on Saturday the 12th of February. It's a massive lineup, like I said before. Uh, it does include Benny Walker, that I just played then, and uh, Emma Donovan is, is on another, another stage, but we'll maybe try and get Fred very quickly to mention a few things about the, the whole process of how it happened this year because the First Nations artists are a massive part of the St Kilda Festival this year, Fred and Archie. Well, yeah. Um, first of all, Yellicott, um this is the first year Yellicott has been included under the umbrella of the St Kilda Festival. It's normally mm. a standalone event that happens about the week before um, Festival Sunday, uh, but this year it's been included under that umbrella. Um, and you know, uh, it's mainly because of the, the COVID stuff and all that happening. So um, we need to spread these events out and um, you know, for COVID safety reasons. But mm. uh, always great to have. Um, uh, have the Yellicott Willanagi Festival and showcase um, not only the greats like Archie Roach, but all the all the young and up and coming talents that are, you know, the future of the uh, um, Indigenous music scene. Um, yeah, chasing ghosts, Benny Walker, Izzy, and one of Archie's award winners, Kian, yep. also take the stage as well, um, and also the Marindas. Mm. Yeah. And um, I think it's uh, pretty much, as I keep saying, no excuse for people to get out there uh, this time round. It's uh, even more significant, I think, uh, this year. And 
having this opportunity to uh, at least experience um, a lot of live music, but also the First Nations artists. And, and it's just been a, must have been a logistical, uh, incredible effort there, Fred, really, because um, it's just an amazing amount of talent that's available this year. Yeah, there's always uh, amazing talent. Uh, <laughs> that includes uh, the St Kilda Festival crew as well. So, sure, sure. Um, kudos to those guys. They um, they make it look easy, but it's a very hard job. <laughs> I've probably got one of the easiest jobs in um, <laughs> programming. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's uh, always a great pleasure to um, seek out new talent, as, as Archie would know, with his series awards and uh, mm. supporting the young young and up-and-coming artists as well. Yep, but, yeah, indeed. no, I really give a lot of credit to this, the Thank You Festival team that uh, put this together every year. And just to make it clear, because it's been in the O'Donnell Gardens before, like you said, because usually it's a week before the festival, the St. Kilda Festival begins, Yalakawilamnagi. Um, but this year, um, is it in the same... I think it's a different space, isn't it? Or is it the same? No, we're, we're, yeah, that's right. We traditionally have been in yeah. uh, O'Donnell Gardens, but for the last few years we've um, had a few different uh, iterations of the Alakawilamnagi Festival. And this year we're as part of the St Kilda Festival. We are down at the South Beach Reserve uh, along the beach there, so it'll be absolutely yeah. beautiful down there, I think. Yeah, fantastic. And no excuse, like I said, there's a lot of passing footwork around there, so that's huge. And uh, like some of the uh, Barker will be the, kicking it off the festival at, uh, on the 5th of February um, with lots of other artists. Um, so it, it's huge. Moju will be there. Um, I'm just going through, and I think uh, Birds is also doing something as well on Sunday the 13th. So, like I said, it's, it's yeah. spread out. Yep. Yeah, and uh, can't forget Baker Boy. Yes, as well. As well. On Friday uh, the 11th. Yeah, it's, uh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> A great representation yeah. of uh, First Nations talent right throughout yeah. uh, the nine days of the festival. Yeah, absolutely. And the venues are there, so you can go to the uh, to ooh, the website. Yes, the website. I think check Sankil- it all out. Sankilafestival dot com dot au. That's the one. Yep. Excellent. And like all those acts, they've had an extraordinary mentor and someone who's led the path for them, and that is uh, you know, Archie Roach. And uh, Archie, it's, it's extraordinary to see how active you are. You're making the most of being isolated, I think. Uh, the technology is helping you do so many things. You're doing you know, the podcasts and, and the kitchen table conversations and you just had one with Jay Miller uh, the other day and I'll play it, I'll play yeah. a new tune. So it's, it's huge, Archie, and it's, it's, it's an amazing uh, effort from you. To, to go on the other side, you got you, you got assistance in the early days, but you broke, you know, you, you broke a, a lot of uh, walls and open doors uh, for yourself and, and and artists to follow. And uh, I'm just so humbled to to see you around doing this this thing now and being a mentor to so many musicians, up and coming musicians, with your stories. And you are probably one of the most significant singer songwriters uh, in this so-called Australia that's that that's, that's been in the existence of this music industry. So, thanks, Archie. <laughs> oh, look, yeah, it's, uh, uh, like it's been a bit amazing since you what, what you said, you know, like because of, because of COVID, yeah. uh, you know, we had to postpone you know, a lot of a lot of shows. Yeah, I put them off for another day. Mm. But um, 
But like, uh, yeah, we'll be through through the uh, technology today. You know, like uh, being able to do the kitchen table yards and yeah. and other things as well. I've actually, done a few concerts. Yes. Um, just uh, sitting at the table here, or or just up the road there. You know, the film concerts. Yeah. And that and uh, so that, that was interesting. But you know, like I said, I I love, I love the kitchen table yard this year. We we're, we're talking to up and coming. Young artists, which I'm sorry, which I'm really, mm. really uh, getting into, and I'm really enjoying a lot talking to young, younger people, young uh, yeah. up-and-coming artists. And uh, like I said, I talked to Jay Miller the other day, and he's yeah. a, such an impressive young man. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and you know, and to, to, to see, to see the, the, the sort of talent that's around today and coming through, you know, it make, makes you proud. And, mm. You know, it just just. Uh, uh, makes you realise that that um, that you know uh, what what you've done, what I've done, you know, in, mm. in the past is, is is you know like like I said probably because I remember Ruby saying to me, mm. my my late partner Ruby Hunter when before we did Charcoal Lane and the the album, uh, I, I wasn't going to do it. Mm. Even though Paul Kelly and Steve Connolly came around and asked me. And I said, uh, you know, and then after I left, he said, well, what about that, Dad? Yeah, I'm doing an album. I said, I don't really want to do that. No, it's not me, Ruba. You know, I just like to keep my songs, you know, sing around community or whatever. That's enough. Enough for me. I don't really want to do an album. Yeah. And that's when she looked at me and put her hands on her hips and said, well, I said, I said, not all about you. And I knew, you know, it took me a while, but I understood what she meant. Because we never really do. If we're going to do anything else, we get we achieve something or do something excellent and yeah, you know, achieve in life. It's not just for ourselves; we do it for our people. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. And that's the voice that I, I've been given here at the 3CR. Many other First Nations artists, and obviously, you know, was, I think it was pretty much your first radio performance here at 3CR, and many conversations you've had in the courtyard here, and. Uh,
know, and, and you know, uh, in that in that respect, where it's, uh, you know, it's like she she uh, she made it all right. You know how I many people look at Booby, mm. especially young in women up and coming artists or mm. women in general, and just say, yeah, mm, indeed. And uh, you know, that's what I want to do, or I want to be like. And uh, so yeah, she was very influential. That's for sure. Yeah. So um, I know we're focusing on St Kilda Festival, but I should let people know that uh, the Port Ferry Folk Festival is happening. So it's a lot lot closer to where you live, and oh, yeah. uh, you're going to be doing things. <laughs> That's right, excellent. You're going to be doing things down there, um, and there's a special stage set up. We're talking about the mentorship. So just to tell the listeners that uh, this is this is ongoing, and uh, you're, you're giving a pathway and uh, for for artists to be to be heard because there are still struggles, sad to say, but uh, you're there and your name carries a lot of weight and uh, once again, I'm very grateful for that. So yes, uh, there's plenty of chances to see Archie Roach as we move into this year that's called 2022. <laughs> so yeah. thanks, Archie. <laughs> well, that would be great for three, but I'm looking forward to yeah. St Kilda. Yes. Uh, first again, I haven't been there for a little while, so I'd be exactly. Good. Have a big connection to St Kilda, actually. Yep, yep. And so, so it'd be good to get down there again. Absolutely, and that's what people need to know. Um, massive connection. I think uh, it was also Ruby's brother was around yep. uh, for yep. many, many years. Very significant person in the community. That's right. They call him the chief. That's right. <laughs> Robbery. Robbery. Yeah, 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 exactly. The chief. So... Look, Archie, thanks very much for making yourself available and uh, really, really appreciate it uh, from my heart and uh, all here at 3CR. We are totally grateful for what you've done for music in general, but also the stories uh, that people need to know about and continue to know about. And, you know, and people doing, covering your songs and making them, making them their own. And that's why I decided yeah, to choose that a, one because, quite, yeah. It's quite amazing that uh, <laughs> my brothers do the demo. Yeah. yeah, great, yeah. great, great uh, rendition of, of that song, my song. Yeah, and it's great that we got musicians uh, backing each other up and uh, really making it sound the best as possible. So it's excellent. Hey, look, um, yeah. yeah, thanks, Archie. Hey, Fred, thanks very much for making yourself available as well, um, for letting us know yeah, no uh, of all the all the elements of the St Kilda Festival. But really, I mean, there's a heap of other artists, but today's focus has been on First Nations because. There's incredible stories to come, to come, and uh, it's a really easy opportunity for anybody living in this hotel called Melbourne Town uh, to go and check it out from um, you know, in, in February, pretty much. So, um, yeah, yep. from the 5th to 13th of February, folks, a lot of locations down there on the foreshore and everything. So, thanks so much, both of you. All the best. All Keep right, cool. All right. All right, thank you. Going to be deadly. <laughs> and I'll play yeah, this. Yeah, will be deadly. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll play this uh, new tune uh, from uh, Xavier Rudd, Ball and Chain, and it features uh, the words of Jay Miller as well. So, uh, oh, really? thank you very much. This one's for you, Archie. Eh? Cheers. <laughs> All the best. See ya. All right. See ya. Hey, thanks, Joe. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I've been riding waves, child, go through all my days, child. 
How this place was settled, the murder and the shame. Secrets being exposed, yeah. truth we must uphold, yeah. constant fight for justice to pave the way for change. Living in denial, going through the same old cycle, penal colony survival, depending on your ball and chain. System gonna customize you, the man ain't gonna redefine you. Gotta hunt like a nighttime spider, depending on your ball and chain. Yeah. 
1957 they said the seas come cold. In 1958 they called it off the charts. In 1963 they won the rising seas. In 1967 they simulated doom. But still now to this day they take in no action. Hi, this is Archie Roach, and you're listening to Good Music on 855 AM on 3CR. Goongaroo Environment Centre is a grassroots community organisation campaigning for East Gippsland's precious forests. For over 15 years, we've been using direct action, citizen science and community engagement to stop the continued logging of precious native forests and threatened species habitat. After this summer's terrible bushfires, there's an even greater urgency to protect what remains. And the Victorian government haven't ruled out plans to log the small fragments of unburnt forests and so-called salvage log in burnt areas. It's now so important that forests and wildlife are protected so they can recover. Head to gecko.org.au to keep updated with the latest news and to get involved. Gecko acknowledges the logging is happening on the stolen lands of the Gunnakurnai and Bidwell and the Naro people and that sovereignty was never ceded. A 3CR supporter.
Words out. Freedom of species has hit the airwaves. Tune in for debates and updates on both local and international animal protection news and events and learn about how you can live a cruelty-free, sustainable lifestyle. News, views and non-leather shoes. That's Freedom of Species, 1pm Sundays on 3CR. Authorised by the last few remaining kangaroos, Canberra. You're listening to 3CR Breakfast, and before the break we had an interview between Fred Gesher and Archie Roach speaking to Joe on 3CR's Music Matters. That segment finished up with a song from Xavier Rudd and the latest release from Ball and Chain featuring Jay Miller. And you can hear all those artists at the St Kilda Festival, which kicks off on February 5th. Uh, So this year it's spread out over a week to keep it COVID safe. And you can get some more information at www.stkildafestival.com. And before we move on to our next segment, I wanted to mention an event coming up this Saturday. Uh, So it will be the Tamil Oppression Day online protest and forum. So February 4th for the Sri Lankan government marks the 74th anniversary of the country's independence from the British Empire. But for the Tamil-speaking population of the island, it's a very different day. It marks the day one oppressor handed power to another. Uh, Many heinous acts have been committed against the Tamil communities and violence has continued to this day. So on Saturday the 5th of February, the Tamil Refugee Council will be holding an event online. Uh, So it'll be held at 6pm and it'll be there to highlight the ongoing crimes committed by the Sri Lankan government. Uh, So if you'd like to get along, check out the Facebook page and head along. Now, next up, we're going to listen to a song from our guest coming up later in the show, Kian. So here is Better Things.
you or someone you care for is struggling with a mental illness or other disability and you need someone to talk to, you can call the Wellways Helpline. Wellways Helpline is a volunteer support and referral service that provides information to people experiencing mental health issues or other disabilities, as well as their family, friends and carers. We're here to talk if you are feeling socially isolated, seeking information about mental health or mental health services, or just need someone to talk to. As a peer-based service, everyone working at Wellways Helpline has a lived experience of mental health issues or disability. Wellways Helpline is a national service and operates Monday to Friday, 9am to 9pm, excluding public holidays. So if you're struggling yourself or are struggling to help someone else, please call Wellways Helpline on 1300 500. That's 1300 500. Wellways supports 3CR. To go out and do live music, just to have two shows and have everyone who bought tickets, um, yeah, just enjoy the space and come and listen to music. And yeah, it was lovely. <laughs> and was it really um, wonderful having the audience there to have that sort of live interaction? Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, yeah, as a performer, I really thrive off or like really enjoy that like energy that's created when you perform live um, in different spaces and the Wilkins Social Club is such a cool spot so and it's one of my favorite spots it's the first place that I actually got to perform when I moved down here ah. um, yeah so it was just, like really connected and yeah really vibed with everyone <laughs> so how did it feel being back there and sort of reflecting on you know how you felt when you first performed there coming to Melbourne you know you'd come down from far north Queensland you're a couple of years younger you know weren't as known as you are now did it did were you conscious of the journey you've been on and the transformation or growth that you've gone through um I guess in the moment I was just like really nervous and not thinking about it <laughs> but yeah in hindsight it is pretty special like I think the first show I did was for a NADOC week thing um and I literally only had three songs and I was so shy and nervous and um literally couldn't like get off the stage far um faster enough um and then yeah I guess now it's it's incredible like just seeing the growth and how many people I've met who have made music with me and like just to be able to say that I sold out a show at Northcote Social Club it was yeah it's incredible <laughs> I'm pretty proud of this, yeah. <laughs> yeah deservedly and you're you know you're performing at the St Kilda Festival on February the 12th and a pretty esteemed lineup there you've got Archie Roach uh, kicking off and then uh, you're following um, is that an exciting event for you yeah I'm really keen um, St Kilda Fest is always like a highlight of my year and coming out of lockdowns, it's, yeah, it's really exciting to be a part of it. And like you said, the lineup is amazing. The day that I'm playing, it's all First Nations artists, like mm. Archie Roach and the Marindas and Izzy Band. Um, and yeah, I'll be playing around six o'clock ish. So it'll be lovely seeing like the sunset and seeing all the folks come through. Mm. Yeah, good day. Yeah, it should be wonderful. I'll definitely be heading down there to listen. Um, and I believe you've been spending a bit of time with Archie Roach recently. Um, you did a bit of yarning with him in his kitchen table yarns. I had a listen to that the other day. 
Yeah, it was it was wonderful. Um, I did get to speak to Uncle Archie, um, just talking about music and our songwriting processes. And yeah, we had that kitchen cable yarn that's online on YouTube. Um, yeah, it was really special for me. I've looked up to Uncle Archie for yeah, a number of years, and I got to meet him at Woodford Folk Festival for the first time a couple of years ago when I got to perform there with the group. And then, yeah, um, once I put out Better Things, I won one of his awards at the NEMAs and then Music Victoria Awards. So, yeah, it was a long time coming just to be able to have a yarn with him mm. properly connect. So that was really special. And it's online, so I'll just watch it again and again. <laughs> and <laughs> it, like, oh. It's very special also because you sing Better Things to him, effectively, um, just you and your guitar. And you made him cry, which, you know, to see that response um, from anybody on a screen, um, but Archie Roach being who he is, is quite significant. I wonder, you know, how you felt about that, that you had moved him and uh, he was quite sort of stunned for a couple of moments um, do you realise the power of your voice and your music? Are you conscious that it can have that transformative emotional effect on people? Um, yeah, I guess it's just kind of a spin-out. Um, yeah, even just reflecting on that moment with Uncle Archie and, yeah, his reaction to my song. It's, yeah, I'm, I think I'm not as cognizant to the impact but it's always so wonderful hearing and I guess in that case like seeing how people react to my music so yeah I guess it's something that I need to to just accept more that it's yeah people are enjoying the music or like they have this really emotional connection to it so yeah that was definitely such a a beautiful moment with Uncle Archie. Mm, Definitely. And you're working on a new album in full bloom. What can you tell us about that and the themes that you're exploring there? Yeah, um, so that one has been in the works for quite a bit. I think I'm just yeah, still trying to figure out the sound that I'm going after. But the themes that I'm kind of exploring, that I've been exploring in my music for a couple of years, is just like, yeah, identity and healing after heartbreak and my grief but yeah really um coming into your own and that strength and kind of vulnerability um yeah that's kind of the main themes of the the songs and the album (laughs) well we'll look forward to that as it uh when it comes out yeah better things as any indication um it'll be a joy Oh, thank you so much. That's <laughs> And it's always interesting talking to artists about the different influences in their life and their uh, sort of trajectory, their musical trajectory in your case. Um, and your parents have had a huge influence on you in your early years. They're very musical. Your mum was a hip-hop dancer. Your dad taught you the guitar. And they gave you a special name, Kian. Can you tell us yeah. about the meaning of your name? Yeah, so um, on my dad's side, we have 
connections through like a great grandmother to Wick country up in Cape York in North Queensland. Um, and yeah, because my parents have that love for creativity and dad sung a lot, um, like in church and mum was, you know, dancing a lot and just doing like hip hop dance groups kind of thing. They had me and they were like, um, let's say I'm our first child after, you know, something that's creative. <laughs> that's also like a weak word that's connected to our culture, um, into our mobs. So they found Kian, um, and it means to dance, to play. And yeah, I think it just suits me really well. <laughs> I think so. And <laughs> music provide, seeing it was such a big part of your growing up, did it, provide a sense of belonging as well as a passion for you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was such a quiet, kind of like anxious kid, so having that outlet of like playing and, you know, just creating. um, Even with my parents growing up on school holidays, we'd all play guitar and mum would play drums and we'd have an auntie come over and play bass. Like, yeah, just having that, I don't know, expression and freedom to express was so important and so valuable to me and still is, yeah. And yet you nearly didn't become a musician. Yeah, um, actually, I played a lot of basketball growing up and um, I thought that I wanted to try and go into, like, health and be a physiotherapist. So I studied that for, yeah, one year and then dropped out like this isn't for me but then I started like busking at some small local markets up in Townsville and you know cutting my stuff down to the markets every Sunday and standing in the sun for five hours like getting changed and connecting with everyone shopping and yeah that was just I don't know I felt the love for what I was doing and um I guess yeah I just wanted to grow up from there did like bunch of open mics back home and so you felt at yeah. home in yeah. that sort of skin singing and performing yeah exactly just, just yes other term and you've um very fortunate to have um, dual Indigenous heritage Aboriginal on your dad's side and Torres Strait Islander on your mum's side um, coming from North Queensland I wonder what your experience has been working in Nam and you know experiencing um, mixing with artists from the Kulin nations and how, how that's been for you and how that might have affected your uh, own sense of identity. Yeah, um, that's a great question. It's been really um, kind of I don't know. I feel like it's been kind powerful just there's so many first nations artists coming to nam um and just over the years being able to connect and learn um i don't know i guess see other black followers strength in their identity has really encouraged me to be confident in my own um yeah when i first came here i started performing with neil morris of dreaming now and just you know hearing his words and his music and being able to sing with him um yeah just really helped my journey with my identity and you know even though I was so far away from home my family and 
my country. Um, yeah, I guess I had more confidence in just being, yeah, in First Nations, just through seeing everyone else be so deadly. <laughs> um, yeah, really enriching. Yeah, but then the wider, like, music community down here is pretty, pretty, um, supportive and everyone seems like they're, like, super keen to collab. Um, Townsville has a great music scene as well, but I think I left there when I was, what, like, 18 or 19. So, yeah, going back and seeing how strong the music scene there is as well in comparison to Nam, it's like, yeah, just different energies and, Mm. Um, I'm grateful to have like both kind of influences, histories. Yeah, that's a yeah, both influences in my my journey. <laughs> and and you've started learning the language of your mother's people. Yeah, that's it. Um, last year in lockdown, I was really blessed to be a part of a project um, that you know encouraged me to be able to translate some. Um, some nursery rhymes into Mabuyog. Language. Um, she never. We didn't get to learn it growing up. Like our mother didn't speak it, so it was kind of like this goose chase. Um, being able to like call one uncle who led me to another auntie, who led me to yeah, an auto which was a grandfather, and yeah, then he was able to um, teach me from Mabuyog, um, and he's also a musician as well, so his name is Signet Repu, and I was, like, listening to his music on Spotify and just being like, oh, this is so deadly, like, oh, really wow. grateful to have the opportunity to, yeah, learn the language of my, of one of my peoples. And do you think that's something you might incorporate in your music? Um, yeah, I think... There's definitely, like, more of a, a learning journey I need to go on. With the project, the the ideal process was to go up to Zanatkes, to um, the Torres Straits, and, you know, meet everyone in person. So I think I'd love to do that first and, you know, have that stronger connection before I write. Mm. Like, yeah. Mm. But that would be really special. So you've got that kind of that deep sort of meaning um, That's it. Yeah, before you choose what you want to express. Mm. Yeah, I think there's like, that it's important to me to like be on country and connect. Yeah, it's not just about yeah. words in like translation, it's about having feelings and yeah, something mm. really yeah. powerful to say. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll look forward to that and we'll look forward to your album, but uh, in the short term, uh, the St Kilda Festival, you'll be performing on February the, the 12th on the Foreshore stage and that's also the day of the Yellowcoat Willem Naji Festival which, uh, as I said before, is incorporated in the St Kilda Festival uh, this year. Um, and you can get more information on the St Kilda Festival website, www.stkildafestival.org.au. It's a free event. And it'll be really exciting. So we're very privileged to have heard from you this morning, Kian. And thank you very much for speaking with us. Oh, I'm so honoured. Thank you so much for having me. It's our pleasure. Have a good day. You too. Yabo. Bye. Bye. And back to you, Ella. And now we're going to hear a segment from Alice. 
So in recent months, activists have taken to the streets across the UK to protest a bill that will criminalise Roma gypsy travellers and nomadic people across the United Kingdom. Gypsy and traveller culture in Britain has a long history, and they have their own ethnic status. The Conservative government recently passed legislation within a new Police, Crime, Sentencing and Courts Bill, which has criminalised the lifestyle of nomadic folk in Britain. So Alice spoke with Sherry Smith, a Roma Gypsy woman in Essex in the UK, who is one of the founders of the Drive to Survive activist group and a fierce campaigner within her community. Alice spoke to Cherie on the 27th of January, the International Day of Commemoration in memory of the victims of the Holocaust. And many of those victims were gypsy or travellers. So, of course, this was an incredibly sad and important day for the community. Alice first asked Sherry if she could tell us a bit about the gypsy Roma and traveller community in the UK. Very distinct different ethnicities. So I'm a Roman Gypsy. I descend from what you would know more commonly as European Roma. I refer to myself as a Gypsy because in the UK it has different connotations. So in Europe, the word Gypsy they, is negative because they associate it with Nazis. But in England and the rest of the UK, it comes from uh, 500 years ago and they thought we were Egyptians which merged into Gypsians, Gypsies. So I'm quite proud to be a Gypsy. If I'm in Europe, I identify as a Roma. I descend from the more, you know, the European Roma, which are now their own in Europe, in England. And then there's Irish travellers, which are a different minority. They speak a different language, they have different DNA. They obviously descend from Ireland. Many of them are second, third generation and married into the gypsy traveller community. We are distinctly different, but there are so many similarities. And for the purposes of policy, the government lump us under the umbrella of GRT. There's a a last census, 58,000 identified. There was only one category. This census, there's different categories for Roma, gypsy and travellers. So we're just hoping that more have identified. But we think that it was heavily undercounted because people won't identify because of reasons that we can remember today on the 27th of January, Roman genocide, Roman Holocaust. So therefore, we think there's about a quarter of a million in the UK, Gypsy, Roma and travellers that are ethnic. So oh. it's complex. But the umbrella they give us is GRT. But yeah, that's, um, that's pretty much the picture of us in the UK. 90% of us are housed or in settled accommodation. Um, there's still a very small minority, probably about a 1,000 caravans travelling around the UK which the policing bill has been designed for, but the effect of it will affect us all. And what what has been historically, or maybe even currently, the relationship like between Gypsy Roma, travelling folk, or the folk that you know and in, in your community, and the British community at large? Um, in the UK, we're a very forward-thinking country about things like hate crime and racism and oppression and making things normal and equal. But for Gypsy Roma travellers in the UK, that doesn't really apply. It's the last acceptable form of racism. We suffer racism across all of the statutory services. There was some research produced yesterday, which was released yesterday by Birmingham University, um, that the Muslim community had done into how the wider UK public felt about them. 25% of the British public didn't want to be around Muslims or didn't like Muslims, but 44% didn't want to be anywhere near gypsy travellers, gypsy Roman travellers. So, you know, and that's visual and felt in every single day in all of our outcomes. So we have the worst outcomes at every key stage level for education. We have 114 times our population in youth justice prisons. 
social services, education, health, employment, everything we fare worst, and that's how it comes out, is, is acceptable racism and prejudice within, within, within society affects us. And is it a cultural genocide that's happening at the moment within the UK? Yeah, we, you know, that we don't have the white paper that says let's stamp them out. We don't have that, but we have um, history and we have knowledge and we have the effects. So just briefly, I won't touch on everything, but legislation after legislation and government after government have not supported us. There's probably only been one Labour government that was quite favourable to us over the last 50 years. Since the 1960s, there's been laws brought in to provide right provision, which has actually gone down by 10% in the last 10 years. Since the 1960s, there's been laws coming to provide provision, and then there's been no provision. It's been made harder and harder, and there's less and less spaces for you to live your life and your culture. So 90% of us, as I said, have been forced to assimilate. Um, if we look at social services, our children are taken at three times the rate of the wider community, and they're never, very, very rarely, seldom, I don't know of any cases, where they're returned to the family or the community even. So, you know, this is forced assimilation. We don't have the evidence. We don't have the proof. But, so, for example, in 2016, the government brought in a law to say that in order for us to be travellers, we needed to keep travelling. Even though we have ethnic status, we had to jump that hoop and keep travelling in the UK for 8 to 12 weeks a year. Well, now they're going to make it impossible to travel. So how are we going to keep our status for planning purposes only? They just tie us up in knots. This is a community that's highly illiterate, uneducated, and usually doesn't attend two stage three or four education. So, you know, how, how are you expecting them to negotiate these laws? And, and, and you've not, no one could negotiate these laws. It's just, it's false, it's false assimilation, it's eradication of our culture. Mm. And, and do you think they kind of, the government at large, kind of relies on the ignorance of the British public? I do, but I also think that the government we have in the UK at the moment uses minorities and things that works against, works, works for them. And they've used us as a scapegoat because on their manifesto, they put that they would um, make trespass illegal. And so that helped to get them voted in. And this image and stereotypes and negativity is projected by the media, which predominantly in the UK is owned by four or five companies and is, you know, I know we're supposed to have a real media, but honestly, you know, a lot of it incites hatred against us, like the propaganda in the 1930s did for the Nuremberg laws. And some of these laws aren't that different. They're restricting us from travelling. They're going to remove children because children won't have anywhere to live. They're going to remove homes, criminalise families, you know, um, imprison if you can't pay the fines. It's hard to find employment if you are a gypsy. So, you know, it's like, They've created this narrative using propaganda and media and manifest both saying we're going to stamp out this gypsy problem. And then, you know, we're the ones that have to live with that everyday prejudice and hate. No one ever said to me before they called me a pikey or a gypo, do I live in a caravan? You know, no one ever cared. I, I'm a gypsy, whether I live in a trailer or not, you know. So, um, yeah, definitely. It's a narrative that the government create, the elected MPs create. They stand on their platforms all over the country, not just the government we have at the Maven, but also the opposition. Um, and there's no apology given from from the party groups because it buys votes. It buys votes to not want 
not want gypsies and travellers in your area? How can that be in this modern day and time in, in the United Kingdom, where we're supposed to have such unity, that it doesn't buy, that it buys votes to stamp on a minority that's already severely oppressed? I, I just don't understand the narrative they've created. And what what is the biggest threat to the community at the moment? I think the biggest threat at the moment is is the um, the prejudice around being a gypsy or traveller. So we have the highest rates of mental health suicide. It's shocking. It's prolific in our community, especially with our young people, and it's always really really violent. So it's usually successful. I think the biggest threat is that. You know, as I said, 95, 90% of us don't live in caravans, but this law coming in increases the threat over everything. So the biggest threat is how we're treated. It's the hate, it's the prejudice that creates the mental health. It gets children out of education because of the what they what they receive at school. It's what you live in every day. If you walk out of your front door every day and there's this accepted prejudice towards you and it's harder to get a job and you're called names at school and, and all of the evidence all of the research evidence is this so you know we know for example that 85 percent of children report physical bullying in school we know you know as i was saying to you about prison numbers and i'm throwing this data out so that it hits home you know the government admit that they inherently failed us for decades in 2019 well why keep failing us <laughs> why exacerbate it why make it worse so this legislation will affect a small minority of us on the road Mm. But what it creates around every single one of us will carry forward for generations. And I think I think this will be the end of Gypsy Roman travellers in the UK, as they are nomadism in the UK. And that's our way of life. It's not just a box on wheels. You know, someone said to me this week, it's not just a box on wheels. It's our everything. It's our life. It's our home. Mm. Um, and, 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 you know, it's the way we live. Modern life in houses does not suit us generational family living and, and travelling around. It doesn't suit everybody. Mm. And there was a huge campaign to kill the bill and this bill that went through um, or went to Parliament. And, and part of that, there was other things kind of listed in this bill and we won't go into too much detail about that. But is there a chance for Gypsy travellers to to have part of this revoked and for it to not be passed or what how are you what do you know no we passed the stage for that about four weeks ago in the house of lords um some amendments were put forward by baroness whitaker who champions our communities all the time um and they were voted even i think 176 176 so we won't get amendment the amendments that went through after with section four of the bill the civil trespass part so there won't be any amendments that now but the other parts of the bill around protesting mean that we will be the fact that they've challenged them and there are amendments then they will go back to the house of parliament now and allegedly come out in a separate bill but what that means is we'll be able to continue to use protest in some format to continue to challenge what they've done to us isn't this is day one for us when the bill goes through we've always been clear about that since drive to survive formed um that that was a prelude and when the bill goes through then we can use all of the other amendments that we fought so hard for alongside everybody else, we kill the bill and we can use that to protest what they're doing to us. So it just hopefully it gives us more strength. And can you just tell us a little bit about the Drive to Survive? Yeah, so Drive to Survive in the UK, there's a lot of uh, organisations that are run by, for and with gypsies and travellers, most of them for. And so 
in May. A lot of them aren't political because of the charity reasons. And I understand that completely. You know, you're using charitable money. You can't be really political. But when this bill came around last year, we needed to be political as a community and we needed to get more vocal. And traditionally, because Gypsy Roma travellers don't want to put their head above the parapet, as I said earlier, so it's within living memory we were killed for that. Then what we decided to do, some community members, myself, Jake Bowers, uh, Phil Regan, and some some other people online, we decided that we were so angry with this bill on May the 16th last year, which is Genocide Remembrance Day for Roma, that we would come together and form some sort of organisation and make a demonstration. So we did. So um, we formed in May, and by July we'd crowdfunded enough money to hold an event in London. On the 7th of July we held the Gypsy Roma Traveller Drive to Survive rally, and we had um, fabulous speakers, Shami Chakrabata, Zara Sultana, you know, all from the community, Billy Welsh, Thomas McCarthy singing. We have some absolutely Traveller Pride, some absolutely fantastic representatives. There's about 3,000 people there. That's the biggest, other than the fairs, that's the biggest, you know, time I've seen my community coming back as activists. So that was powerful. And then from there, we built an organisation, which is all community-led, ethnic on uh, board members, and we've been able to go out and do various things. So we went to Appleby Fair. We took Appleby's Got Talent there, which is 30,000 visitors, probably 10,000 Gypsy Roman travellers. We held Appleby's Got Talent while the community were up there singing. In between, the crew and I were getting up and we were saying, look, you know, this policing bill is going to affect us. Because you're not only working against what the government are bringing in, you're also working with a community that isn't really that politicised, disengaged with it, because mm. none of the parties are really that supportive of Gypsy Roma travellers. So it's about politicising them and making them see that their vote re- has got a point and a purpose, and, and that gives us value to the parties, because, you know, we need to, the next party that comes in in the UK needs to repeal Section 4 of this bill, and that's what we'll be working for. Mm. So, um, yeah, and then we went on to Manchester, as Drive to Survive, and we led the People's Assembly March with horses. So this is all great to show the government that we're not going away, to show our value and to show our solidarity. We don't stand alone. We stand with everybody else now. We realise that. So, yeah, as I said, when the bill goes through, that's day one, and that's when our strategy will really start. COVID's been a blessing for us as well, um, in a way, because we, as a community, is so spread out across the UK. I mean, it seems silly because you're in Australia and it's massive and we're a tiny, but... We're so spread out and so disenfranchised, especially after COVID, that mm. actually COVID gave us the ability as Drive to Survive to work online, to be able to use websites, to be able to bring our tools and skills. And actually, you know, there's some of us that are, are good at doing something, some of us that are good in the Internet, and some of us are good at creating digital posters. And it enabled us to have online meetings and to do something where we didn't need an office, we didn't need wages, we didn't need any of that. Um, and so we hope now we can grow and become a more of a voice for the community because having a board that all ethnic gypsy Roma travellers in the UK that are all as much as we are community and immersed in the community we all have different skills in media or journalism or um, charities or you know speaking or whatever so and all that's recognised so we now have a voice across the UK collectively which we didn't have before. And how can the community, the Gypsy Roma and Traveller community in Australia, but also at large, like all of us in Australia, if we want to get behind you, how can we do that? You can go to drivetosurvive.org.uk. You will find on there digital posters that you could download, share across social media, print them off, put them in your window. Um, You know, support, show your visibility, because for everybody who sees that poster or sees your tweet, 
10 might see it, but one might want to know about us. And the problem is out there is not that people hate us, it's ignorance. Nothing's taught about us or about our needs or actually the fact that one square mile would cover all of the caravans out on the road in the UK at the moment. It's such a small point and they're using it as a voting point. So I would say go to the website, download the digital posters, follow us on social media. We do a lot of events. We hold an online meeting every other Monday, which is like a chat room if you want to support. We're not just in the UK. We've got representation now in Spain, um, Germany. You know, if you want to support us in Australia, we'd be grateful for the support. You can use the toolkit on our website to contact our MPs. Please go for Pretty Patel if you're in a different country or Boris or someone powerful. And also there is toolkit on there. Um, uh, yeah, there's quite a lot of resources on there, different blogs and videos. By all means, read them. If you get offered a space to speak at any events about this, then please, you know, download one of our blogs and read it out. You know, those are all there as resources for everybody who wants to support us. We're completely crowdfunded and voluntary at this stage. So everything that's been put on there has been created by a key member because they wanted to put their contribution in. So by all means, use it. That's what it's there for. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sherry. Before we go, is there anything that we haven't touched on, anything that you want to say? Yeah, I just want to touch on one other thing. Yeah, sure. Is, um, this law they're bringing in is, is not reasonable for the reasons I've stated, because there's so few of us it would actually affect. It's just the propaganda around it which creates the narrative. But also, an organisation... We have friends, families and travellers. They surveyed the police across the country, Freedom of Information Act, and 84% of the police do not even want this legislation, and local authorities don't want this legislation either. So who is this for? Who is it for? Because we know that the police don't want it, the local authorities don't want it. 65% of them said that the site provision is a problem. So actually what the government needs to do here is address the, the severe shortage of sites where there's a 10 20, 30 year wait in London for sites, um, address that, give some planning permission to people that have got their own land. We know 95% of gypsy or travellers that apply for planning permission on their own land are turned down because of their ethnic status. So, you know, what, what are we meant to do here? What are you going to do? Push us off into an island? You know, the police don't want it. The councils don't want it. There's nowhere for us to go. What are you doing here? You're creating hate against people that can't challenge it. We can't do anything about it. There's no answer. And that was Alice's interview with Sherry Smith, a Roma woman from the Drive to Survive UK-based activist group, fighting against forced assimilation and cultural genocide of Roma gypsy and traveller folk in the UK. To support the group, you can head to drive to survive that's the number or digit two, .org.uk. So again, that's drive, the number two, survive.org.uk. And uh, you can catch them on Twitter at, at drive to survive 3 Goongaroo Environment Centre is a grassroots community organisation campaigning for East Gippsland's precious forests. For over 15 years, we've been using direct action, citizen science and community engagement to stop the continued logging of precious native forests and threatened species habitat. After this summer's terrible bushfires, there's an even greater urgency to protect what remains, and the Victorian government haven't ruled out plans to log the small fragments of unburnt forests and so-called salvage log in burnt areas. 
it's now so important that forests and wildlife are protected so they can recover. Head to gecko.org.au to keep updated with the latest news and to get involved. Gecko acknowledges the logging is happening on the stolen lands of the Gunakurnai and Bidwell and the Naro people and that sovereignty was never ceded. A 3CR supporter. They're pulling on the boots in Brazil and wiping off the eggshells in Moorabbin. Fascism's on the march and we say, yeah, nah. Yena Passaran is a new weekly program on 3CR dedicated to tracking this rise in Australia, Aotearoa and all around our increasingly warm little globe. Every Thursday at 4.30pm, we'll be talking to writers and fighters about some angry blighters.
you're listening to 3CR Breakfast, and we just heard a song from Archie Roach. That was Our Beautiful People's Strength. And that's just about our show for this morning. Uh, but before we head off, I wanted to quickly mention another online event coming up next Wednesday. Uh, so in partnership with 3CR, the Renters and Housing Union is holding an online forum with special guests from the Support Network for International Students and Homes Not Prisons. And this is going to be an open discussion uh, discussing housing justice after the lockdown. Uh, so the pandemic in the last year has exposed and exacerbated pre-existing failures in the housing system, renting and policy in Victoria, which endured one of the longest lockdowns, as we know. Uh, but organisations like Rahu created both structural pressure and individual support, as well as a roadmap to more secure and fair housing in Australia. So I really encourage you to get along to this event. It's on next Wednesday at 5.30, um, from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. Um, and you can register online uh, on eventbrite.com.au, uh, but just hop onto the Rahu Facebook page or Twitter to join. And just before we finish off today, I'd just like to also mention that uh, 3CR's encouraging uh, listeners to consider becoming sub- subscribers this month. It's uh, our subscriber drive month officially starts on Monday the 14th of February but seeing I'm on day one back in the studio today I thought it would be an appropriate time to reach out to our listeners and ask them if they enjoyed the show today and would they like to become a 3CR supporter. Um, We'd love to have you in our support team and you can hop online www.3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe to to become a subscriber or you can uh, call the station on 94198377 or 0394198377 if you're calling uh, from regional Victoria and um, yeah, I think it's particularly in this election year coming up, I think uh, outlets like 3CR provide a really essential media service to keep you up to date with the real stories that are happening in our community. Absolutely. All right, and we're going to have to head off now, but a big thank you to all our guests today and thanks to our listeners for tuning in. 3CR Breakfast would like to thank the New International Bookshop. Melbourne's independent radical bookstore and venue for their financial support of this program. You can find Nibs in the basement of Trades Hall in Victoria Street, Carlton. While you're there, check out Radical Coffee, a worker-run cooperative cafe in the courtyard. Keep up to date with upcoming events at nibs.org.au.